inside of me It feels like chaos But I believe You're up to something Bigger than me Larger than life Something heavenly Whatever you're doing Inside of me It feels like chaos Good morning. So glad to see you this morning in the house of God, and we're looking forward to a wonderful time of worship. Let's all stand together, would you, as we sing today.
Would you praise him this morning? Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome on this rainy Super Bowl Sunday. Um, if you are visiting us today, we welcome you in uh, to Impact Church. I am Pastor Jeremy. I am the youth pastor here. You don't see me up here too often, but Tim gave me a text about, I don't know, 830 this morning. He said, my voice ain't working that well, so can you run announcements for me? So my voice isn't that much better from my surgery that I had back in the day. I still haven't quite got my voice back, but hey, we're going to make it work today. So quick, this is just a little impromptu. Who's got the 49ers today? <laughs> Who's got the Chiefs? You guys are all wrong because if you're a Chiefs fan, I'm sorry, the Chiefs are going to lose today. Go 49ers. So, no. But, uh, yeah, Super Bowl Sunday, it's always a fun, fun day. I know a lot of gatherings and parties and, and just everything else. So, with that being said, youth group, we are doing something different today. So, instead of trying to gather during the Super Bowl time... We are going to go bowling at Liberty from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. So if you are looking for something just a little different, it's hard trying to get teens together for a party when they're like, I got my friends, or I got this, or I got that. So I'm not going to try to throw a Super Bowl party this year. We're going to go bowling instead, and then you guys can go to whatever party you have planned. Maybe it's at your house. Maybe it's wherever. So teens, we're meeting at Liberty at 2 o'clock. For bowling, if you need directions to the Montview Bowling Alley, if you've never been there, come find me. It's a little hard to find if you've never been to that bowling alley. Also, summer camp is coming up fast, teens. We have limited spots. So if you're interested in camp and you want to go to camp, come find me after church. I'll be glad to get you information, tell you what deposits look like, fundraising, everything like that. So camp is July 15th. This is the first day. It's the week of July 15th, which doesn't help me out because Commonwealth Games for Liberty and LCA is at the end of the week. So I got to come back and work a ton as well, but we will make it work. Uh, other than that, just a couple more little announcements here. Let's see. Kathy Eggleston. I don't know. Where's Kathy? I was uh, told it is her birthday, so happy birthday, Kathy. I was not told age, so I will not, I will not go that far, but happy birthday, Kathy. Um, other than that, let's see here. I'm just looking through what Tim sent me. Celebrate recovery. I think we have a slide for that as well. They are moving to Forest Community Church starting February 25th, so Forest Community has opened up their building so that CR can continue to meet there. Because if you don't know, if you're new here, outside of JF, we use a separate facility, and we don't know when we might lose that facility because we're just kind of like on a monthly term with them. So if someone comes in and says, hey, we want to use it, and they come to us, we have 15 days to be out. So all, the, all that gather there, we're always like trying to figure out kind of what the future holds for us, but CR... It will be at Forest Community starting February 25th, and that will continue on for quite a while from what I understand. Um, so that, that will be their new meeting spot. Let's see. Life groups, um, opportunities to serve, events, everything like that, you can find it on the church website, impactforest.org. So if you're looking for a life group to get plugged in, if you want to serve, we have 
an amazing crew that come here in the morning. They were here at 745 this morning trying to get this whole cafeteria set up so that we could run church service. We need hands everywhere, and we would love to have you be a part of the church in that regard. So if you're ever looking for new ways to serve or maybe new avenues or a calling that God has placed on you, you can go onto the website or you can talk to Pastor Tim or Pastor Brad or you can find me. We'll be glad to try to help get you connected to who we, you need to be connected to so that you can serve in different areas of service. And then I got two more. Last one, uh, women's lunch. There is a women's lunch at La Coretta on February 22nd at 11 p.m. Or 11 a.m., not 11 p.m. They're closed at 11 p.m. <laughs> I've been asleep for like three hours by 11 p.m. That's, that's my schedule. So 11 a.m. If you go at 11 p.m., you, you might uh, be waiting for a long time. So 11 a.m. on February 22nd, uh, women's lunch. And then the last one here, we also got a slide, the extreme hunt. I used to always call it the extravaganza, and Angie would always yell at me because I would call it the wrong thing. So it's the extreme hunt. Make sure I say that right, because if not, Angie's going to yell at me again. We need help. We are trying to package 50,000 eggs. We have almost, we have a little over 1,000 kids almost come to this event, so we need a lot of eggs. If you've been here for this, you've been, you've done this where you've taken eggs home and you've packaged them, we need the same help again. But here's what we need you to do. You can't put Un, like unwrapped chocolate in there or you, things like that. It needs to be packaged. So Sour Patch Kids, Skittles, Starburst, Jolly Ranchers, things like that are great items to put into the egg. So please do not go buy a pack of like jelly beans and put like three little jelly beans in one and three in another. Like they need to be pre-packaged, closed up, given to the kids that way. So if you want to help with that, Angie standing over here to the right, my right, y'all's left, she can get you a bag of eggs, take as many as you think you want to fill up. If we do not get all 50,000 filled, we are going to have a packing party here the Saturday before that, which is the 23rd will be the packing party. The extreme hunt is the 24th of March. So it's like six weeks away or so, which is crazy to think that Easter is like six or seven weeks away already. So with that all being said, I know I tried to get through these announcements as fast as I could. I'm going to pray for us as Tony and the band continues to lead us in worship. So dear Lord, just uh, thank you for your day. Thank you for all that you do for us. Just thank you for as, as crazy as it sounds sometimes. Thank you for the rain just to be able to provide growth. Um, and just everything that the rain does for us, Lord. Just thank you for this place that we can gather, even though it is a high school, it's a cafeteria. We're not necessarily in the most comfortable seats. Lord, it doesn't change our heart and our love that we have for you and that we want to be here and that we want to lift your name up, that we want to worship you, Lord. So I just pray as Tony and the band lead that we have open hearts um, just to be able to sing praises to you, that we can lift your name up, Lord. As Pastor Brad comes up here, I pray that the Holy Spirit leads and guides Pastor Brad in what he needs to say um, and what 
what you want him to dis, uh, just make known about you, Lord, about your love for us and about your grace and your mercy and, and all that you've done for us, Lord. I pray that we have open hearts to hear that and that we are not distracted by the things of this world. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. In your name we pray. Amen. Excellent. Would you stand as we sing, please?
praise him today. Amen. Yes, Lord. We praise the name of Jesus. So thankful for our Lord Jesus and for our Father God. For the Trinity, for the Holy Spirit. Just thankful that we serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always faithful, always true, always good. And as we sing this song, we just want to just be reminded that we serve an awesome God. He's amazing.
up to him and just thank him for his faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. 
sanctified, knowing we'll be perfected once we reach the other side. Faith works. This 
This is the cry of James, that faith apart from works can never be sustained, that in every day and in every way we should see this truth proclaimed because it's faith that makes us doers of the word, not just hearers. It's faith that keeps us humble, not proud. It's faith that directs our tongues to bless, not to curse. It's faith that causes us to show mercy, not judgment. It's faith that leads us to true religion, not its empty substitute. And it's faith that's causing us to preach the good news to every tribe, tongue, and nation with every breath that we breathe. And it will be faith that causes us to worship our God for all eternity. This is the message of James. Faith works. Amen. That's good stuff right there. If I don't get you pumped up, I don't know what does. Welcome to church this morning. How's everybody doing? Man, I hope y'all as excited as I am, man. Even another rainy Sunday is what it is. How come it never always rains on Sunday when it does rain? I don't know. Maybe the Lord's testing the diehards, man. We'll see who's faithful. I'm coming to church anyway. I don't care if it's cold and raining. Amen. So welcome. Glad you're here this morning. If you're visiting with us this week, uh, maybe it's your first time, fifth time, 20th time, whatever it is, and you're still searching for a church home, a place to anchor your family and get plugged in and serve Jesus and be grown in the faith and in his word. We hope that this will be your last stop and your last shop right here today, that God would solidify you right here as a part of Impact Church, that you would lock arms with this body of believers as we charge forward to do what God's called us to do, and that's make disciples and reach the lost here in this community. So welcome to Impact this morning. If you're here with us, and uh, man, there's a good one ahead because we're going to dive in. We're going uh, through the book of James expositionally. That's verse by verse. And this is already week five of James, and uh, we're going to have one more message uh, in this chapter, so we're going to be six weeks just to get through the first chapter of James. Uh, we're digging this out, and God's really teaching us a lot, and today is going to be no different. I promise you today, you're gonna, we're going to learn you something, right? <laughs> You're going to be taught something. I think it's going to be different than how you've ever read this passage that we're going to be covering today. And the word of God's going to jump off the page and it's going to make the rest of what James has said and what's getting ready to say at the end make perfect sense. Okay? There's more to it than what meets the eye. Sounds like a transformer theme or something, I guess. All right? But we're going to see God's word come to life here. And the title of today's message is The Dynasty. Building a winning culture over temptation. The dynasty. Building a winning culture over temptation. And you know, it's no mistake that we have that title today as we are here on Super Bowl Sunday. And if you follow football, and even if you don't, if you're familiar with any type of athletics, you're familiar with what a dynasty is. A dynasty is a team that has consistently won year in and year out for a period of time. We're familiar with the dynasties in football from years past. If you think back in the 70s, those of you that were alive then and uh, maybe watched football, you're familiar with the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers of that era. Yeah, I know. So I got some Steelers fans. And the Steel Curtain, right? That big defense that just was like stalemating people. And they won many Super Bowls through the 70s. And then you move into the 80s and you had the dynasty of the 49ers. And uh, four Super Bowls won just in the 80s alone, a fifth one in the early 90s. And yes, even the Redskins in the 80s. Oh, come on. We used to be, I guess, the commanders now, the football team, whatever they're called anymore. All right. 
But yes, they used to win Super Bowls, believe it or not. Won three in the 80s. And then early 90s, yes, there's another team that doesn't win anymore that used to win called the Cowboys, right? And you remember their era with Troy Aikman and Emmitt Smith and Michael Irvin and all them boys. And then, of course, most are familiar with the dominant era of the Patriots, probably the longest dynasty that has existed and probably ever will. And all through the 2000s with many Super Bowls with Tom Brady and Gronkowski and the crew. And now, of course, Kansas City trying to put its uh, feet down on history with a dynasty. But I say all that in fun to say this. A dynasty is not a team that just is content with winning one time. A dynasty is a team that wants to develop and build a culture and an environment of winning so that victory is expected, victory is consistent, and defeat is rare. And although they know defeat may come, they will never make excuses or kick dirt over a loss. It will fester in them to want to do better and to win the next time out and to continue that winning culture that builds upon itself. Because the goal of a dynasty is to stay on top of the competition. We'll say that again. The goal of a dynasty is to stay on top of the competition. So much so, and you've seen this, that even in a win, a team that's developing a winning culture will still look for ways to get better. You may have heard that in Nick Saban in the Alabama Crimson Tide over the years. They'll blow somebody out 50-something to six. And Nick Saban will be out there, well, we've got a lot of things we can clean up and get better. Like, really? <laughs> Why? Because he knows this, although we have won today, our competition's getting better. Our competition knows how we won today, and they're going to try to beat us the next time. So we've got to get better. Guys, there's a winning attitude in a culture like that. Can I tell you that God wants us to have the same mindset spiritually? We had the message last week about God wants to put us in victory lane over temptation. And we had a, a good word on that. But guys, I hope we're not content with just being in victory lane one time over temptation. We want to see that God wants to develop a, a spirit uh, of, of Christ likeness in us through his spirit, through his word that propels us to consistent victory. And even so, we know we're still in the flesh. There are going to be times where we experience defeat where we fall for that temptation. But get this, with Christ in us, with that winning culture, desire in us now, we never make excuses for that loss. That I actually, I, 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 like Paul, man, what a wretched man am I. Man, the things I don't want to do, I'm doing the things I, I want to do. I don't, what a wretched man am I. I'm not making excuses for my defeats. I want to live by the Spirit, go deeper in His Word, and be stronger for the next time I face that challenge. Do you see that difference? That's that culture of winning over temptation that God wants to have in us and his children. Here's the kicker. We don't have to fight for that victory. We fight from victory. Jesus has already won the victory. And he's already given us everything we need to overcome that temptation. The question is, will we join the team and hoist the trophy? 
You see, God wants to, us to hoist this trophy of triumph and consistent victory over temptation where we develop the dynasty spiritually of a winning culture over everything that wants to tear us down and defeat us. And God gets all the glory. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Lord God, in the flesh, the spotless lamb, his body was broken and blood was shed to redeem us, to restore fellowship, Lord, with you. Lord, to empower us. Lord, to be victorious over temptation. Lord, to empower us to be your witnesses through that, Lord, as we bring testimony, Father, to what you've done in our life. Lord, let us see this big picture today. Lord, there's a purpose and there's a reason you want us to be victorious. What is that? Lord, let us grab that today, that this is more than just victory for ourselves. This is victory for a greater purpose, for something much bigger than ourselves. Lord, we've got to see that. Lord, that's where this is of so much importance. So, Lord, allow your spirit, Lord, to just fall upon this place. Move every heart and mind today that we can draw closer to your word, that we can draw closer to you, and we can live a life of victory where you get all the glory. So, Lord, we praise you in advance for everything that you're about to do today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have a copy of God's Word, you can turn to the book of James if you're not there already. We're in chapter 1 still, as I alluded to before. And before we read our passage today, something we alluded to in the first week was that there was a direct correlation and a lot of teaching in James that comes straight out of the Sermon on the Mount. If you recall, James here is the brother, the the, um, half-brother of Jesus. And so, He, of course, knew the teachings of Christ. And so he reflects many times through this book of James back to concepts and teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Let me give you some of these examples if you're interested and want to take notes on these from uh, things we've touched on here up to this point. In James chapter 1, verse 2, we're familiar with that. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter trials of many times, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you become spiritually mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's through verse 4. So within that, verse 2, if you look in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12, you can write that down. We're not going to go back and read it. But you're familiar with that because Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talks about blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness or you're persecuted for my sake. So we're entering this, this, uh, uh, this correlation with trials and developing perseverance and challenges. In James, 1 chapter, uh, James chapter 1 verse 4, where it talks about um, being spiritually mature and complete, not lacking anything. Of course, there's a correlation with Matthew 5 verse 48 where Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. There's a, a level of Christ-likeness that God wants to develop in his children, right? And oftentimes he teaches and molds us that way through our trials. In chapter 1, verse 15, 
We are familiar uh, with that that we had just read. It says, uh, when desires conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Correlation there, Matthew chapter 6, 22 through 23. Familiar with that where Jesus is specifically talking about the eye is the lamp of the body. And if that eye is good, the whole body's full of light. But if that eye is bad, then the body's full of darkness. And if the only light in you is darkness, he says, how great is that darkness? Guys, that what we see and what we, what we uh, put in our minds makes a difference in our heart and eventually in our actions of our life, guys. And it's very clear on that. And the last one I wanted to point out before we read today's passage and dig in is uh, verse 5 of James. Of course, when it says, if any of you uh, lacks wisdom, uh, ask of God who gives generously without finding fault. Uh, and then in verse 17 of the first chapters where uh, James said, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of lights. And we talked about that, that these gifts are not material things. It's not money, all right? We're talking about salvation. We're talking about the power of the Spirit. We're talking about the word of truth, that the ammunition, the vehicle God wants to put us in to have victory over temptation. That's the perfect gift that God gives, all right? That's correlated in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. Of course, you're familiar with that. If you seek me, you'll find me. Knock, it'll be given to you. Good gifts come from the Father. If an earthly father gives good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good things? All right? So we see this correlation in teaching, and we're going to see a little bit more of that today. So I wanted to touch that out because we had brought that up at first and had not pointed that out in the previous two messages. So now, let's read our passage today in something I believe I forgot us to uh, get us to do last week. We're going to do again, and that's stand for the reading of God's Word right here today. So let's stand. Be a good time to stretch your legs. All right, James chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. The Word of God says this, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, somebody say, therefore. therefore. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness. Somebody say meekness. The implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Guys, we got a good one today. You may be seated. All right. So we know right here in verse 20. And uh, through this passage that we see this idea, and many would teach this as, um, as if you're in a conflict with your brother. If you look at verse 19 and 20, it, it would appear that way, all right? Because it says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There's a context, there's a, a teaching in there of that. And of course, that would correlate with Matthew 5, 22, back to the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said, if um, you're angry against your brother or insult your brother, you're liable to judgment. But actually, what we're going to see is in context of this passage, this is not talking about being slow to speak against a brother in a conflict or, or being quick to hear your brother in a conflict. And don't be angry against your brother in a conflict, although there's an application in that for sure. The context is having this attitude with the word of God. Boy, that changes how you read this, doesn't it? Because we're going to see that because what I want us to see is this transition to this 
to verse 19 through 21 here is actually a springboard from verse 17 and 18. How many of you know context matters? <laughs> hey, and when they... Uh, divided this up. When James wrote this, this was not divided into chapters and verses. This was one continuous letter, all right, to the tribes of Israel who were scattered about because of persecution. And he's calling them to authentic faith, all right? First words to the church. That's a beautiful picture. The first words chronologically that was written to the church were in James for authentic faith. So that contradicts people that say that, oh, well, James's book was written in response to Paul. Baloney. Paul hadn't written anything yet when James wrote. This was God's word to the tribes of Israel, to the church at the time, if you will. So let's see this. We see verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Here we go, verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. He wants this word of truth to be in us so that we become a firstfruits of his creatures. He wants us to have Christ-likeness. He wants us to be further molded into the image of God through his word. And remember, we talked about that the last two weeks, that it's God's will that we're sanctified. Jesus said himself, Lord, sanctify them. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That, guys, that's, that's how we grow, is in his word and through the spirit of God moving in us. And that's exactly what is going to springboard us into this next passage, okay? We have to understand that, this word of truth and this drive to be different, to overcome temptation, okay? That's been the theme here in these past few verses. We have to grasp that. Why? Because it's coming from the Father of lights who gives perfect gifts. These lights point to the celestial stars in our atmosphere. Did you know that? Boy, what do people look to when they don't look to God? They look to stars for what? Answers themselves and astrology and all this kind of stuff. He's the father of those lights. <laughs> he is the only one who can give anything of any substance to any direction that you need. Not the stars themselves. And it says this, it says, and he doesn't change. Oh boy, that's good. He doesn't change. He's constant. The stars are not. I love this passage because what it's going to do is show us this new birth in Christ through his word, through his spirit that he wants us to have. So God wants us to have something, a new birth in his word. So what do we do with that? What are you doing with that? Would be a great question. So James is a book that gets right up in your grill. <laughs> Can I just say that? You have a lot of people that love James. And then you're going to find some people that are like, oh, I don't know, James. You see, you're either going to love it and desire it, or you're going to run away from it. And that's a reflection of where your heart is. Okay? So we need to be ready to receive that and examine ourselves. All right? Because here's the truth that James is getting at through this. When authentic salvation has taken place, 
God has given us the ability through his spirit and through his word to differentiate between right and wrong further than just what the moral compass of man has, but a a complete dividing of scripture in our heart to live according to his word of truth. And when we do that, get this, we know that when we live according to this word of truth, it is going to set us on a different direction. It's actually going to set us in direct opposition to the ideologies, to the thinkings, to the thoughts, to the patterns, the lifestyles of this world and the culture. Did you know that? It will set you on a different direction. It will. It has to. That's the sanctification that God wants to have through his word in us. All right? Some so-called Christians ignore the word of truth, ignore God's word, so that they can fit into the culture and fulfill their own desires. We've already had that message last week, the past two weeks, about we're drug away by our own desires. It's not God's fault. He didn't create us this way. It's our own desires that lead us astray. All right? So, that's the danger, is there are people that want to avoid truth in God's word, and James is going to address how we overcome that. Because Jesus himself spoke many, 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 many times about people who call themselves followers of Christ, but don't want to do what he commands. And he talked about them in parables. We have the parable of the soil. We have the parables of the wheat and the tares that look the same, but they're vastly different on the inside. We have the parable of the virgins, the 10 virgins. All 10 had lamps, but only five had oil. And that oil represents the spirit of God in them. And the five that didn't have it, when it was time, it was too late. And guys, that's a vivid picture of those that think they have something they don't. And it's a reflection going back to their heart. That's what it's about. So let's dig this passage out. I think we've adequately introduced it. So now what we're going to get today, and this is going to be exciting, because we're going to get five ways today in this passage that we just read about how to build the dynasty of a winning culture over temptation. You're going to get it. You're going to get that game plan. You ready? I know I'm weird, all right? I want you to be excited about this. I want you to be hungry for this. If I could somehow just leak some of the passion out on you, grab it. It's good. Can I just tell you? Man, it's life-changing. It's freeing. God's word is beautiful. So we're talking about building a dynasty today in your life of a winning culture over temptation. And when you think about this, and and, and when we get right in, it's very obvious, some of these points. So let's look at this. In verse 19, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Quick to listen, some of your passages, translations may say. So our point number one for building a winning culture over temptation in our life, we must be quick to listen to the word of God. Gotta have it. First and foremost, we must be quick to listen to the word of God. What's that say? What is that? How do I do that? What does he want me to do? I got to be quick. What is, God, what are you saying? What do you want me to have here? Do you get that? It's like the team that wants to win, listening to their coach. Coach, what do you want me to do? What's the proper way I've got to do this technique to get by this defensive lineman so I can get us out? What, what do you want me to do? Guys, do we have that? hunger. What are you hungry for? 
Guys, this right here, this first point, being quick to listen to the word of God, points to hunger. Again, back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus in Matthew 6, 33 said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first. That's my first hunger is God and his kingdom and his glory. That's it. Matthew 5, chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? You know it. Righteousness. Where do we find righteousness? Through the Spirit of God only. It's His righteousness we clothe. Righteousness is not our acts, guys. Righteousness is being clothed in Christ and, and in His Word, saturated with it. That's going to change us from the inside out. Then we don't have to try harder. Some people think that, man, I got to live righteous. I got to live righteous. I got to try harder, try harder. Man, bump that. That's going to mess you up. You're going to get worn out. Authentic faith and surrender to Jesus is the product by which you're going to change. That's it. It's through his spirit. It's his engine inside you. It gives you that hunger. That's what I want you to see. If you have the spirit of God in you, you will be hungry for his word. You will be. All right? You will be. I love what so many other passages of scripture point to in this. I think to Jeremiah in chapter 15, verse 16. We're not going to read it. But he says, I ate these words of yours. And they became a joy and a health in my body. It, it just, just give me delight in my soul. How about 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2? Peter says, man, let's put off all this other stuff, all this malice, all, this, all, these, uh, all these sinful ideologies and attitudes and desires. Let's get rid of that. And let's go after his word like babes after milk by which you can grow. That's a hunger, but wanting to grow. I want to be spiritually sound and changed from the inside out. What did Jesus say himself? That he's the bread of life, that he is the water by which you drink from this well, you're not going to thirst anymore. Guys, I don't know what you're hungry for in this world. Is it money? Is it relationships? Is it just trying to numb the pain of life? Everything's going to leave you empty until you hunger for Jesus. Everything. You'll have temporary moments of pleasure, but you'll have a lifetime of emptiness outside of Jesus. He wants you to be hungry for his word. So the first point to winning culture over temptation, building a dynasty, be quick to listen to the word of God. That's only a product of his spirit. You don't have that by yourself, by the way. And that's what James is getting at. This is authentic salvation. This ain't try harder. This is surrender to spirit, spirit in you. You're going to be quick to listen. Number two, after we're quick to listen, what does he say then? Slow to speak. Oh, oh. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about our tongue. And James is going to say a lot about it here in chapters to come. So I don't want to steal all the thunder, but I do want to point a few Proverbs verses out. Proverbs 10, 19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Mm. That's pretty deep. 
How much, how much this? How about this? And for the Proverbs 10, 19 in the New Living Translation, you want to hear it a little more like, whoo, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> All right, there it is, right? Let's go deeper. Proverbs 29, 20. See a man who is hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. The Bible has a lot to say about the tongue. And I don't want to steal thunder for that. But in this context here today, we want to see that God wants to show us something. Teach us something. How many of you know that the first step to learning anything in any field, I don't care what you're in, whether it's your vocation, whether it's a sport, whether it's whatever it is, the, the first step to learning anything is to be quiet <laughs> and listen. Because when you're get, first getting into something, you don't have all the answers yet, do you? You don't step onto the field a pro. You step on the field a rookie. And you've got to learn from those who have experience and guidance and direction you got to be quiet so that you can hear what they say. The direct point of this, of point number two, is be slow to speak and slow to make excuses contrary to the word of truth. There it is. Be slow to speak and slow to make excuses contrary to the word of truth. Because... When our heart wants to go an opposite direction of God's word when it's presented to us, what's, what's the first thing we want to do? But, 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 uh, just listen. Don't speak. Don't make excuses. All right? There's a difference there. Don't justify your behavior. Don't justify worldliness. Don't justify your losses. Don't make excuses for it. Let's look to win. Let's develop this culture of winning. Hey, I know we're going to lose. We're in the flesh. We're all going to fall for temptation sometime. Let's not make excuses for it. Let's not just wallow in it because we've tried to overcome it for, for months. Some of us tried to overcome it for years. Don't just settle in that stuff. God wants to set you free. So sometimes, so many times, especially when presented with God's truth, we just need to keep our mouths shut so we can listen. How many of you know that there's nothing more annoying than being able to help somebody and you know what they need to do and what they need to change and you try to explain to them and they so quickly interrupt and start talking as if they already have all the answers. And you're like, bro, man, if you would just be quiet for a minute, I, I could help you out. Somebody would be like, man, that sounds like my kids. You talk, you see my kids at home? Guys, that's us with the Lord. Every single one of us have been right there. We, we want to make excuses. We want to, we want to try to justify. And, and God's word's just right there. He'd be like, man, if you would just stop talking and listen, I want to guide you and direct you. Stop looking for human wisdom and human understanding in the things of this world. Point number three. So after we're quick to listen, slow to speak, now it brings up this point. And it says, be slow to anger. So the third point is, 
Be slow to anger and resentment toward the word of truth. Be slow to anger and resentment toward the word of truth. Do you see how this changes the message and how it's read? Because we could say be slow to anger toward each other. Of course, there's, there's an there's a application in that. But this in the context is directly talking about the word of God. It's talking about the word of God and overcoming temptation before. The message after this is going to be talking about being doers of the word of God and, and authentic faith. So why would James just jump out of context and say, oh, quick, if you're in a conflict with your brother, just don't be angry at him. Woo, okay, now back to the Bible. No, the context is all toward this word of truth. It's the springboard of this passage. So when you read this, we're not speaking of, of uh, again, even in the context of anger, not a righteous anger toward injustice. We know that there's being angry by itself is not sin. It's to act after that. So we're looking at a vengeful anger that justifies wrong behavior is what James is talking about. And of course, we know that can be against a brother. But in context here, this is a vengeful anger that justifies wrong behavior against the word of God. That's when it's saying, don't move there. Don't go there. All right. So more specifically in context, you can read it like this. Don't be angered toward the word of truth. It does not produce the righteousness of God because we need the righteousness of God, the word of God to move in our hearts, to change and transform our mind so that we can therefore walk in obedience, product of the spirit of God in us. All right. So, and let's think about this now that we've got this context, anger toward the word of truth. Have you ever seen anybody, or maybe you've been this way yourself. You ever been angry or seen somebody get angry when truth was presented? You know, there's a saying truth hurts, doesn't it? It does. I mean, so many times that, 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 that I've been in the wrong and, and people confronted me with what I've done wrong, but that, that hurt. And my first response in my flesh is to defend myself, isn't it? Maybe y'all ain't like me. I don't know what I'm saying. That's my first response. But the Spirit of God wants us to act differently. Guys, I'm going to tell you what, man, the, the Spirit of God moves you differently in life. And although your first reaction may then the Spirit of God, if you allow him and swear to him to get control, you'd be like, down, boy. There's some truth there that can help guide and correct what's happened. And we've seen that in ourselves and in people, especially when the Bible is presented against a lifestyle or a direction of life that people are living. And when they see and hear this, they don't want to hear it and they run from it. Boy, that sounds familiar. What passage is that? Anybody know? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. Paul told Timothy, there's coming a time where people will not tolerate sound doctrine. And they're going to heap up for themselves teachers that tickle their ears and they're going to run to them, baby. They're not going to get mad at truth and doctrine and they're going to run to false doctrine and ear tickling. That's it. It's right here. All right. And that's exactly why so many pastors are silent on certain topics because they don't want people to leave. They want to fill the seats and keep the big budgets. So I'm not going to, I'm going to preach the Bible, but I'm going to preach all the Bible because all the Bible is going to make some people run. But guys, authentically, that's a lie from the enemy. Do you know why? Because the word of God doesn't just make people run. Some people, their hearts aren't right will run, but some people that are, are opening themselves up to Jesus, they're going to hunger and thirst for this. That's why you preach it. 
Because God's word changes lives. Do you believe that? I believe that. This church believes that. That's why we will never apologize for the word of God in this church. We won't. Because it's healthy. It's not condemnation messages. It's conviction messages, yes. And we're going to get to that. And it's a healthy conviction of a loving father who wants different for you, man. Just surrender, say yes to Jesus. Don't run from it. Don't get angry at it. You know, we can do the opposite of what this passage has already said. Instead of being quick to listen, we could be slow to listen. Like, ah, I don't know what that Bible said. I don't, know. I don't know if I care about that. Instead of being slow to speak, we could be quick to speak, justify and make excuses. Instead of being slow to anger, we could become quick to anger and quick to resentment toward the word of God and run away from it. But then what is that showing, guys? A reflection of what? Your heart. Shows a reflection of your heart. Guys, I scare for the people that don't want to hear God's word and try to call themselves a follower of Jesus. Did you know this? You cannot separate Jesus from his word. You can't do it. You take it all or nothing. And his spirit will move in you, even though some things, yes, step on our toes, get right up in our face in a healthy way. But we don't run from it. We don't make excuses for coming against it. Guys, I'm going to tell you this, and we've already said it in so many ways before. You and I will not fall from the corruption around us. We will fall from the corruption within us. We won't fall. I'm going to say it again. We won't fall from the baited hooks and the traps that are set all around us. We'll fall from the corruption within us. That's a desire that makes us bite the hook, that makes us want the trap. Because we don't want to say no to our desires. We don't want to deny ourselves. It's a lost concept in the Christian faith, and it's not taught from the pulpits much anymore. And therefore, you see a culture deviating away from that thought. But it's so imperative to deny ourselves. It's the answer to building this winning culture over temptation. All right. And it only happens when people go against the word of truth and fail to surrender to its authority over their lives. Why? Why would you do that? Why would somebody do that? Why would I do that at one point in my life? Why would you do that at one point in your life? Why do some people continue to do that now? Because it's not comfortable. It goes against your system. It goes against your desires. It goes against what you want to do. Do you get it? That's pretty plain and simple. And that's where self-denial comes in as a part of authentic salvation that God does in us. He gives us that desire to walk with him and to deny ourselves. Here's some truth. Ready for some truth, Brahms? God is not concerned with making you comfortable, but with making you like Christ. God's not concerned with making you comfortable, but making you like Christ. God's top priority is not making you happy but it is making you holy. You ready for this one? This is why this Bible is not just for your information. This Bible, God's word, is for your transformation. 
It's not just for your information. It's for your transformation. That's what God wants to do in all of us. Point number four. And we get this in verse 21. Let's read that again because it's been a minute since we read the passage. So let's read verse 21 in James chapter 1. It says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. All right, let's look at this. Because right off the bat, we see this word filthiness, and we kind of kind of kind of have a concept of what that is. We know it's dirt. It is what it is. It's filth. But I want us to look a little deeper into the Greek here, because we're going to get a context here that really gives this picture, jump off the page of how this is talking about the word of truth still. All right? It says, basically, there's a, there's a metaphor here that metaphorically, there's... Uh, this word is used for moral uncleanliness and impurity, okay? It's the Greek word raparia. I want you to get this. But this Greek word can be used for filth, which soils clothes, or filth, which soils the body. Get this. Let me read something that I, that I studied and read. But it has one very interesting connection. It's a derivative of rupos. And when rupos, the Greek word rupos, is used in a medical sense, it means wax in the ear. Boy, that keeps you from hearing, doesn't it? Do you see what James is getting at? Remove all the filthiness, the wax in the ear that keeps you from even hearing the word of God. Boy, this beautiful. Man, come on, God's word's beautiful, guys, when you dig this out. Urgh, I love this. Get this. So now we've got this picture, this concept, that this meaning here that James is telling his readers is get rid of everything that would stop up your ears from listening to the true word of God. Get rid of it. Because when wax gets in the ear, it can make you deaf. All right? Let me bring up this... Uh, picture here they can bring it up i found a picture yeah buddy this is a real situation can i just tell you this you can look this up there's this brother that went to the audiologist and the audiologist dug all this out of his two ears this is 16 years of wax build up in one man you can go look that up and that's the picture of it that brother couldn't hear a thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I bet there's people still yelling at him. If they had a habit of yelling, they're like, hey, Fred, why are you yelling at me? I can hear now. Guys, that's what God wants to do for us. He wants to remove the wax out of our ears for the 16 years of buildup of the things of this world and us saying yes to things we should have said no to that clouds our judgment and clouds our mind and clouds our heart and infiltrates our life. He wants to remove that so that now we can hear the word of truth. Just like this man, he couldn't get it out himself. He had to go to somebody you can't get it out yourself either, spiritually. You got to go to somebody. You got to go to Jesus. And he will remove this junk from your ear and give you a hunger with his spirit to follow his word. That's what Ezekiel, as he told Ezekiel, 
Do you see that beautiful picture of scripture there? The reason that so many people can't hear the word of truth and truth and don't want to hear it is because there's a bunch of junk in their ear. And they're letting it penetrate their mind and their hearts. And we had that message last week with music. If you weren't here last week, you got to go back and listen to that. Because the enemy likes to bait traps and he likes to bait hooks and try to get us to fulfill our desires in that. And one of the biggest ways that Satan loves to do that is anything that we can put in through our eyes and through our ears that affect our mind. What is the one thing in this world that appeals to our emotions and our mind at the same time? Music. It transcends every culture, baby. You could be having a horrible day and you put on a song and it just changes the mood. Guys, music can be a good thing or a bad thing in our life. What are you listening to? What are you putting in your mind? The Bible says to get all the junk out of your ear that wants to cloud out the word of God. Get them ears free. Let's have some fun with this. Look at the person beside you. Tell them get the wax out of your ears. <laughs> get the wax out of your ears. Love it. All right, don't be looking at people's ears. All right, that ain't cool. All right. But this buildup, guys, is things that we've basically said yes to, that God wants to set us free from. But here's the thing. If we let it sit in our ear, we start to not only make excuses for it, try to justify it, we become and we feel entitled to it. Have you heard that lately in society? I'm entitled to this. Oh my goodness. It's my freedom in Christ to do this. Oh really? Can you show me that in scripture? Guys, freedom in Christ is never to live in worldliness. It's not. It's never to live in worldly, sinful lifestyles. It's to be set apart and separate from that. That's the new freedom you have in Christ is to be different. You didn't have that freedom before because you were trapped by your flesh. Now because Christ has set you free, you can live by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh anymore. And that's why Paul said, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. We don't have to just keep sinning because his grace abounds. No, that's what Paul said. We don't have to be slaves to that stuff anymore. It's a beautiful picture of the truth of Scripture. Build up in the ear as I'm a therapist, I also realize that it affects your balance. Think about that. What happens when you lose your balance? Fall. Guys, we got to get the junk out of our ears so we don't fall. God wants to do a miraculous work in your life. And remember the message from last week, it all goes back to desire. There's this process from desire to deception, to direction, to disobedience. Desire is my emotions and my feelings. I got to have that. I, I want it. And if I don't control that and deny myself, then and that takes place, that will go to my mind for deception. And my mind will become deceived into thinking it's okay. Well, everybody else is doing it. It's not going to hurt me. You see that? And you've been there. I've been there. And then if we let that deception seed in, then we'll go in a new direction. And we'll try to figure out how we can get said desire. How am I going to get that? How am I going to have that? And then if we let and stay on that direction very long, we will fall into disobedience. Desire is the emotions and the feelings. Deception is in the mind. Direction is in the will. I want that. I'm going to have it. Disobedience is a combination of the desires, a deceived mind, and a will, all leading to a whole different attitude 
about what you're doing. We've got to stop the process way back at desire and deception. Sometimes the desires of our heart and our flesh will never get away from. That's where it's so imperative that we transform our minds through the word of God so that it's a filter that says down boy to our desires. That's self-denial through Jesus in his word. Beautiful picture. James in his passage after talking about filthiness, getting it out, he talks about getting rid of this wickedness. So our, our fourth point, and I, I probably kind of skipped over, didn't give you the fullness of it, is to get rid of all filthiness and wickedness that keeps you from hearing the word of truth. Get rid of all filthiness and wickedness that keeps you from hearing the word of truth. Guys, what is this wickedness talking about? Yeah, we know what wickedness is, evil, but it's more than that. In this context, it's talking about a tendency to have more buildup. How many of you know well, you can go to that doctor, he can remove 16 years of wax out of your ear, and if you do nothing to change what was going on with your hygiene, that junk's going to build right back up, ain't it? How about spiritually? If we do nothing, we just say we come to Christ, Lord, help me, guide me, direct me, I want to be saved, and God does the work inside of trying to clean us up, and then we fall back into temptation and make excuses for it and wallow in that stuff, the junk builds right back up. And that's the tendency of wanting to build back up. And that's why it's so important we have a mind that's transformed so that once Christ, as he removes the stuff out of our ears, we have a new direction and a new mindset. Because here's the truth. Satan knows where he can cause you to itch and you're going to scratch it. So if you don't allow the Lord to have control over your desires and to transform your mind, the next time that hook's baited and next time that trap's set, you're going right to it. Have you let the Lord transform you? Radically. Again, talk about context of the Sermon on the Mount. You see this concept all through Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus talked about the narrow gate. Narrow is the gate that leads the way. Broad is the gate. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate and narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. Many, many, many people would not argue with you today that narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. Most people in the churches today would say, yes, Jesus is the only way. But most people would not agree that narrow is the path after that gate. They would say narrow is the gate, but then broad's the path. I can live any way I want, can I? Uh-uh. Of proof of the authentic salvation and transforming power of Jesus in your life is now this renewed spirit and direction in you to stay on the skinny trail. And we're going to trip and get off of it from time, but God's going to be like, whoop, right back in. We're going to trip and get off, whoop, get right back in. And we're never going to make excuses for the losses in doing anything we want. Because God's wanting to develop a winning culture in our heart and our life. Last point to close up. Receive with meekness the word. It says, receive the word of truth with, all, with a humble and open heart and mind. Receive the word of truth with a humble and open heart and mind. Don't put no walls up against God's word and his truth. What does God want to give us through his word? Anybody know? What is the purpose of scripture? 
2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Do you know what that says? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God will be complete and be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what scripture is useful for. But what did you hear? I heard rebuke, correct, and train in righteousness. Is that the overwhelming concept of teaching of the 21st century American church? So if it's not, you're leaving out 75% of what God wants his word to do in our life. 75%. You see, people today just want, to, just want the first part. We just want 25% of the word. I just want to be taught something. Teach me something, pastor, so I can have a cool nugget. Teach me. Teach me five points, and I'll start with the same letter, so that's cute, and I can remember it. Teach me with cool little props and things up here so I can, I can, that's all fine. Don't get me wrong. That's part of what God's word wants to do. But if you only teach and only teach and only teach and God's word never comes across in a way that confronts you in your sin for rebuke and correction and training in righteousness, then that shepherd's in trouble with Jesus one day because that's what his word is to do. Guys, it all comes down how do we handle constructive criticism? I mean, if somebody comes to you and, 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 and not in a, in a condemning or, or demanding way, but in a loving way says, hey, I can help you with your swing. Anybody ever played baseball? What if I had the five top home run record hitting men from professional baseball come and train your teenager how to hit home runs? Not one time, but consistently. And you heard your child as they started to instruct, just not pay attention, start talking, da, 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 da. Oh, I know how to do this. My, I, my coach told me a different way. I, I know how to do I can do this. And, 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 and then not hear and listen. What would you say? Boy, what's wrong with you? He's, this man trying to help you get better. This Guys trying to help you develop a winning culture at the plate, a new mindset of confidence, of expecting to hit the ball, of expecting to win. And yes, there's going to be times when you strike out, but you never make excuses for it, and it's never okay, and your desire is to reapply everything you've learned and to do better next time. Guys, do you see that? Man, we value correction in every aspect of our life and society. We value correction at work from our boss that wants to train us how to do the job so that we can keep our job and make money. We value correction on sports fields. We want, again, a coach to teach little Johnny how to hold the bat right and stand right so that he can hit the ball. How come we don't value the same correction from Jesus through his word on our life? That's what he wants to do. That's all it is. I close with the final part that says, receive the implanted word humbly. It's the posture of your heart that's humble and it's open to Jesus and saying, Lord, 
speak, guide me, change me, take anything out of me that's of this world, that's of myself, because I want to be set apart. Why? Here's the closing part. What's the purpose? Yes, it'll save your souls. What, the actions save your souls? No, Jesus saves your soul through the Spirit, and then because of authentic salvation, now there's a different response to his word. Did you see that? Just being obedient to his word doesn't save your souls, guys. You can have works without faith, and that's dead too. Faith without works is dead because works is the proof of authentic faith. But also works is dead if you don't have faith in Jesus first. You can do all the good things in the world, do all the great things, but if you don't have Jesus, you're lost. But the purpose goes back to sanctification, to be set apart. It's what the psalmist said, I hide thy word in my heart so I will not sin against you. Your word, God, is a lamp into my feet. It's a light into my path. I need it. Why? Because I want to be set apart. That's the purpose of sanctification. Do you know what it is, really? It's not just so you can have victory, so you can feel good about yourself and people applaud you as a good Christian. That is not it. It's for you to shine the light of Christ so that other people can see Jesus in a world that's lost and hurting and searching for something different. That's the purpose for you and I to be obedient to God's word like this and not run from it. People need to see Jesus and his children. So the purpose is to represent Jesus well. We're all familiar with the Corinthians passage. That we're in Christ, we're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We're all familiar with that in verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. Do you know what verse 20 says? You know what the purpose of being a new creation is? It's because we're Christ's ambassadors, that it says. And he says, it's as if Christ is making his appeal to others through us. That's why. That's the why. We want to represent Jesus. Well, what's an ambassador? It's a representative of a certain country in a foreign land. Do you get a good picture of Christianity now and why Jesus saved you and wants to set you apart? Because you're his representative of heaven in a foreign land called earth, baby. And we need to be different. We need to be set apart. And it's only through the power of the Spirit of God working in us. Because he's faithful and he will finish what he started in you. He will develop a dynasty and a winning culture over temptation if you will surrender to Jesus and start saying yes to him, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. And then we can hoist the trophy. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I wonder if there's anybody here, you might say, Brad, I've never surrendered and committed my life to Jesus. You might say, I've known about Jesus, and I've been to church, and I've heard this sometimes, and man, but I've never surrendered my life to him. You might even say, Brad, I, I prayed a prayer one time, but it, there, was, there was nothing after that because my heart wasn't right. I didn't give my heart to Jesus. I didn't surrender and let him take over. And today I want to do just that because I'm done living life on my own. I'm done trying to find my happiness in all the wrong places. I'm tired. I'm worn out. And I want to come running to Jesus right now before it's too late. If that's you, I want you to do that right here today in this place. We'll lead you through a prayer that I want you to do business from your heart to God's heart. And again, it's not the words that save you alone. It's your heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that you believe and are justified. You're surrendering your heart to Jesus. And then when you confess those words, you are saved. Yes. Will you do business with God like that today? 
Or you might be here today and say, Brad, I, I surrendered my life to Jesus earlier in my life, and there was a time where I was on fire with him and for him, and I know the Lord was moving in my life because, man, there was just a difference. There was a change in me, but lately, man, I've drifted. I've ran away like the prodigal son. And I want to come running back to Jesus today. I want to turn back to God and the truth of his word and rededicate my life to him right now today. If that's you, I want you right now to pray this same prayer from your heart to God's heart. Do business with Jesus. So to receive him for the first time or to rededicate your life to him right now, boldly, unashamed, do business with Jesus. Don't walk out of this place without doing that. The spirit of the Lord is calling. Will you say yes right now? If that's you, to surrender for the first time and rededicate to say, dear Lord, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I'm in need of you, my Savior. Lord, I've messed up. And I'm tired of doing life on my own, trying to figure it out myself. And I want to come running to the cross. Thank you so much for joining us this week in worship at Impact. Spotless lamb who was slain. His body was broken, his blood was shed for me that I could be renewed, restored, redeemed, forgiven. Lord, he paid a debt that I couldn't pay. And he finished it all on that cross. And I want to fall under the blood of Jesus right now for forgiveness. And thank you for raising him three days later, proving that he is God, that he is God in the flesh, and he stands in victory over all hell, death, and the grave. And Lord, I want to claim right now that same victory right now in my life. And Lord, I don't want to just be in victory laid once. I want to develop a culture of winning. I want to build a dynasty through you, through your spirit, and through your word of truth where I can win over temptation in my life when it comes. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for changing me. Lord, my commitment to you is every step I take, every breath I make, the rest of my life will be for your glory right now. Amen. If that's you and you did business with God for the first time or you rededicated your life to him, no one's looking around, just boldly and unashamed. Would you raise your hand and say, Brad, I did business with Jesus and I'm not ashamed right now today. I ran to the cross. I ran back to the cross. Amen. If I don't see you, God does. We're going to close our service like we do every single week here at Impact. I'm just going to offer you this opportunity right now to put action to your feet with what God's doing in your heart. So let's stand to our feet. Right now, let's sing with all our heart. Let's sing with all our voice. And let's come as the Lord leads, whatever that is. Maybe you just made a decision for Jesus. Maybe you need to talk with a pastor and pray. There's pastors up here. You can do that. Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe you need prayer over a a loved one, a financial situation, a health situation. Whatever it is, just come right now as the Lord leads. Thank you so much for joining us this week in worship at Impact. We trust to know that God's doing an amazing work in your life and in your heart through his word because he is faithful. Hey, if you made a decision for Christ here today, would you let us know? I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.impactforest.org. There you'll find out how you can contact us and let us know what God's doing in your life. There you'll also find out more about what God's doing through this church to impact lives and also find ways that you can give to financially support this ministry as the Lord leaves. We hope that you can join us here each and every week online if you cannot attend the service in person. And we would encourage you to lock arms with us in this mission that God has placed us on to make an impact for Christ. We'll see you next Sunday.